From Writer Shed Press and the Abundance Media, this is the Writer Shed. Hello, everybody. David W. Burner, as usual, here on the Writer Shed. Something a bit um, unusual today, I guess you'd say. A kind of mini lesson on the art of memoir. I've been uh, teaching a class for Gotham writers on memoir for a few years now, and I've uh, conducted dozens of writing workshops on memoir and creative writing and fiction for many years. So I've been asked by um, some of the listeners to uh, move forward on a sort of introductory lesson on uh, on memoir. Um, I've done this before. Um, I've written memoir. So I feel like I can maybe offer up some things that uh, might be good for someone who's thinking about this sort of ongoing project. And I say ongoing because you probably have been thinking about maybe writing something like that, something of a personal story, a memoir, creative nonfiction uh, essay, something like that, and um, something in that genre. And you've been thinking about it, and you're wondering where to start, how to begin, how to um, how to function um, in your life, but yet get this done. So I thought I would take this time on the uh, Writer Shed podcast to to kind of help you through that, maybe talk about that a little bit from my perspective. I certainly do not, do not think I'm some kind of expert on the memoir, but I've written some memoirs. Some of them have won awards, and I've done a lot of workshops on this and worked with a lot of different people who are attempting to write memoirs, people who have written memoirs and gotten them published. So um, I think maybe I can offer some things up. So we're going to walk through a couple of things in this uh, podcast. We're also going to hear from two people. We're going to hear from Carl of Knosgaard. If you're not familiar with that Norwegian writer, he wrote that gigantic memoir, really a memoir, it's kind of auto-fiction in a way, um, uh, called My Struggle. And uh, it was a big sensation a few years ago. And uh, he's been called the uh, the modern-day Proust. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's really, if you want to go that far and hyperbole, but um, he is quite exceptional in his thinking and his um, observational skills. And uh, so I have a little snippet from him from a YouTube channel uh, where he talks about memoir and, and the use of that in his writing. And also from Rachel Cusk. Rachel Cusk is probably one of the smartest writers out there. She's written a lot of uh, autofiction and fiction and done very well with it, and it's uh, just quite remarkable. But she's also written memoir. Um, I'm reading one right now called The Last Supper, but she uh, also wrote a memoir about her marriage and the the, um, the separation with her husband. It's called Aftermath on Marriage and Separation, and uh, it's quite remarkable and very... Um, she goes very deep in this, as you should in memoir. So we'll hear from her a little bit, too. As far as introducing uh, people to the art of memoir and what you should do and how you should do it, and um, there are many ways to, to think about that. Um, I, I'm not one of those people who believes that there's one way to do this. Um, I think there are many ways to go about it, just as there are many writers, there are many approaches. But I'm going to walk you through a couple of things here in this podcast that I think are um, are, are, are fundamental in terms of writing a memoir. So first of all, let's talk about what the memoir is today. What is it today? Um, it's a wide spectrum. What it is not is probably the better way to get to that question, get to the answer to that question. And what memoir is not in the contemporary sense is it is not an autobiography. Many times in a writing workshop, I'll sit down with people who will have... Uh, 
maybe a few pages written in or a beginning of something they want to try to do as far as memoir is concerned. And they start with, you know, I was born in New York City in 1893 or whatever it may be. Uh, You're not writing in memoir, in modern memoir, you're not writing your autobiography. You're not writing the day you were born to the day you die or the day you may die or at the gripe old age that you are. Um, It's it's quite different than that. Autobiographies are life stories. Um, The writer is telling their own life about their own life in full. Uh, they tend to be written by famous people, too, in, uh, in, in this sort of genre uh, in today's world. Memoir is really a sliver of a life, and it is a portion of a life, or a time of a life, or an aspect of a life. That's what more of modern memoir is today, and that's where I try to get people to focus. What is it in your life that has been extraordinary um, from your perspective, um, that you could talk about, that you could um, um, impart on other people. Now, when I say extraordinary, what I mean is that there's been transformation, that there's been some revelation in your uh, art of memoir, in your memoir journey. Not that it's been extraordinary in terms of I've climbed Count, uh, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro five times, or I've um, you know swam the Atlantic Ocean. It, it, it doesn't have to be fantastical. But it does have to be extraordinary in terms of your own personal development. And it, it has to have be it has to have relevance. So you can write about an aspect of your life and you can write it in a very sort of fictional way, meaning using the fiction, the craft of fiction with dialogue and scene setting and the character development. But the characters in your memoir, of course, are you and the people around you, people in your life usually. Um, so you're writing about a particular aspect that has shown transformation, and it has to have relevance, as I mentioned, meaning it has to connect with other people. Um, they have to see themselves in your story, or they have to feel empathy or sympathy for you in some way, or they have to feel as if they're coming along on the ride with you. There has to be some relevance and connection with the reader. That, that goes for any kind of writing, right? But in memoir, it has to connect to their life, too, not just about you. Uh, some people call that writing as a navel-gazing. You may have heard that term before where people think they're writing about their lives, but they're really, and that's good and because memoir is based on that, right, an aspect of a life. But if you're, if you're looking at it in terms of all about you, then it, it doesn't necessarily connect with the reader. So what you have to do is you have to be able to understand that there has to be relevance to the reader's life too. And that doesn't mean that you have to shape it in a way that, you know, uh, sort of um, connects, but not authentically. Um, what it has to be is it has to be something that the that the human condition um, believes in and sees. And what I mean by that is um, we all have particular aspects of our lives um, in the human condition that we all share. If I say the word mother, to you, we all have a certain reaction. If I say the word father, family, Thanksgiving, birthday, um, those kinds of things, children, uh, we all have a particular reaction and a visceral feeling um, about um, something in our lives. Um, Those are the kinds of human condition connections that the memoir needs to address. It needs to have that 
thread in the story in some way. And it can't just be um, a diary of the things you did during this aspect of your life, whatever it may be. It has to show change and transformation, and it has to not only give you a sort of narrative flow, but it also has to have, uh, you have to have moments of reflection. Those are really important in memoir. You can tell a story and you can tell what happened, but if you don't reflect on that in some way in the memoir, if you don't kind of look at it with different fresh eyes from a different perspective because you've gone through this particular thing in your life, then it, it won't have the relevance. So that's really important. And those are really things that um, are linked to what many people now call the modern memoir. Now, there are long and short memoirs. You know, you can write a personal essay um, that is very memoir-like. Um, and then there are also book-length memoirs, you know, 300 pages, 250 pages, whatever that may be. Um, you know, could be 90,000 words, 60,000 words. But there are also memoirs out there that run only about 3,000 words. So they're in a very short form, and they are they are um, found in magazines. The New Yorker, Harper's Bazaar, I think it's just called Harper's now, um, Esquire magazine, those kinds of things. So they work in, in magazine form also. And what I mean by magazine form in today's world is it could be online magazine too. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical magazine you have in your hand. But there are long and short form Memoirs about all kinds of things, but again, they have to be about an aspect of your life, only an aspect, um, not your entire life. So let's hear from um, Carl Ove Kanasgard, uh, one of the writers that I just really revere. Um, he talked about he talks about the, the book, um, the massive, massive volumes of book uh, that he wrote called My Struggle, and about how he was able to fall into that uh, story and be able to look at it from a different set of eyes years later. His growing up, his his difficulty with his father, his father's alcoholism, all those kinds of things that went through his difficult upbringing. And he's able to look at it with new eyes and how he was able to do that. So this is Carl Ove Kanaskar. Life can be incredibly hard. Life can be incredibly difficult, but it's going to be difficult in your life. But it is always worth living. That's kind of the essence of the book. And the life that you describe, maybe this is the way you live your life, is incredibly well observed. I and mean, you have an, an amazing eye for detail. I just started to write about mundane things and, and there was a joy in that, kind of to map that world because mm. it is kind of almost unknown, you know? Uh, because I too, too don't think about it when I do things. I don't see things when mm. I do them. But when I'm writing, it's like, that's you force yourself to look at them. Yeah. That's the place where there's time to reflect and time to see and time to think. I didn't articulate anything in my life, and that's why I'm writing, you know, because I want to understand, I want to see, I want to... And especially that book, because it was very, it centered around a very difficult um, mm -hmm. difficult episode. It's about depression and, and illness. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you are inside of it, you see, you don't see it, you don't understand it, you're part of it, you know. Mm -hmm. So a way to... Understanding that to see yourself and your own part in it and understand it is by writing. So you might wonder after you hear somebody like that speak about memoir, you know, who cares, right? You you have to put the, uh, you know, in the in the street vernacular, uh, who gives a shit, <laughs> right? Why does this aspect of your life? Uh, why does it need to be told? Why does it need to be out there? Why does anybody care to read about it, right? 
Um, well, again, it's about relevance. It's about connecting to the human condition um, and the openness that we allow ourselves uh, to have in a, in a relationship with other humans, uh, the vulnerability. Um, it's important that you, that you allow yourself to be vulnerable and that you allow yourself to open up and, and find the connections with others when you tell the memoir, because otherwise it does not have the, it does not have the weight that it should have. It does not have the, uh, the connective tissue to those who read it. Um, and that, that's important. Um, you, you, you have to think in terms of what is it about my particular life, this particular aspect of my life that might be worthy of telling to someone else. Now, I don't mean that in terms of a self-help kind of thing, but I mean that worthiness in terms of should I spend time with your life? Meaning if I'm a reader and I'm reading your work, is it, is it workable for me? Is it, is it, does it make sense for me to give up some of my time to read about what you've gone through in whatever aspect that is? Uh, that's important. That's the who cares factor. Um, types of memoir. Now, I, I, I don't particularly like my own personal feeling. I don't particularly like memoirs that are dysfunctional. And what I mean by that is not that the memoir itself, the writing is dysfunctional, but the story is about a highly dysfunctional family. I mean, most families are at least minimally dysfunctional, right? But a highly dysfunctional family or, or, over-the-top disease issues or uh, high trauma. I, 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 that's a, the kind of memoir I want to read. Um, that's just me. Some people like that. Those kind of memoirs do well, and they're stories that should be told. But they're not the kind of memoir I want to read. So the point I'm trying to make is not about what I like, but the point is that memoir can go a full spectrum. There was a memoir written many years ago. Uh, I think it was called How Starbucks Saved My Life. Now, you may not be a Starbucks fan, but the idea is here that this guy lost his job, a high-profile job in advertising, and the only way that he could get back into finding his way in the world was to go work at Starbucks. And he talks about how that experience of sort of like accepting that he would, this was what he was doing now, changed his life. Now, that's not trauma, right? I mean, that's not necessarily trauma. I mean, there might have been some difficulties in that experience in his life and maybe some very difficult moments. But it's not a, a disease. It's not a high trauma event. It's not abuse. Uh, but yet, it's a memoir. Um, there's a, also a memoir out there, and I wish I could remember the name of it off the top of my head now, but about a woman who uh, who rose the Nile um, in uh, Egypt. Um, and a white blonde-haired woman doing this, uh, which is kind of an unusual sight in that part of the world, um, and how she regained her confidence and how she regained her life at that moment by doing this particular thing. That's sort of a, a what they call sometimes as a journey memoir or a trek memoir, or not necessarily a travel memoir, which is something that can be also true, uh, also written travel memoir. But this is sort of a, a reawakening memoir, like you've 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 done something in your life, you've taken on a particular um, uh, event, or um, you've taken on a particular struggle, and you've taken it on willingly uh, to gain some more knowledge about yourself or to gain some place, a new place in your life. Those are memoir too. Um, so I want you to I want you to think about those things. I want you to think about the relevance. Um, I want you to think about 
an aspect of your life, not your whole life. That's not what it is. Um, uh, and I want you to think about writing it like fiction. And let's talk about that for a minute. So writing it like fiction, meaning using the craft of fiction, using dialogue, using scene, using uh, scene is a big thing. Sometimes people say, how do I begin writing my memoir? And I tell them to write little scenes, one scene at a time. Then you can figure out as the time goes on how they all connect and how you can make it flow. But if you write one scene at a time, uh, then you are... Um, you're making you're making like pieces of a puzzle that you can lay out on the table, right? And then find a way to make the connections. Um, that's important. So the kinds of memoir that are out there in the modern world, coming of, coming of age memoirs, you know, uh, growing up by Russell Baker is one. There's many others. Adversity, Angela's Hassies, which many people know about. Frank McCourt's book, great book, uh, is about adversity, overcoming poverty. Um, relationship issues. Um, you can do career issues. I mentioned the one about Starbucks, how Starbucks saved my life. That's a career memoir. Travel memoir. There's a lot of them out there. A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson is just a classic. Um, and um, there are many others uh, out there. Uh, Blue Highways is also a, an older book, but uh, certainly a classic travel memoir. Um, there are many of them out there. So, but there's a transformation in every one of those books. There's something that changes. There's a, there's a revelation of some kind. It doesn't have to be over the top, though. It doesn't have to be extraordinary, but it has to be a change. It has to be, it has to show uh, a transforming nature uh, in the narrative, and that's all very important. So, Rachel Cusk. She wrote the book called um, about her marriage, about uh, her marriage and her separation. Um, and uh, it's called Aftermath. And she spoke about this with a group in Spain. She was Her book was coming out in Spanish, I believe, in Spain. She spoke with this woman uh, concerning this at uh, Primera Persona Indoors. It was during the pandemic. So this is a sliver of that, her talking about how she was able to sort of um, sink herself into this uh, part of her life that was a, a difficult time. Rachel Cusk. Well, I think um, the shock of motherhood to everybody, to any woman, is um, a shock of truth in your life. And I think women realize all sorts of truths about their lives um, in that moment um, and the things that are uh, possible and the things that are impossible. Um, and... I suppose to a degree, the things that have been artificial or <laughs> unnecessary or uh, or a luxury, even um, the reality of motherhood is very stripping of of um, one's persona and one's understanding of life. Um, so I think uh, to bring all of that. Because obviously in my life as a writer, there wasn't very much separation between living and working. Um, so it, it absolutely, that message, that experience penetrated um, to the core of everything that I thought and felt and believed. Um, and I think I realized that, that in the novel form, as I understood it and as I practiced it, um, there was no possibility of describing the things 
that that I was feeling and that were happening to me and that I perceived, you know, the new light in which it made me perceive the world could not be described accurately in a novel. Um, to describe them in a novel would be to, to completely turn inside out the basis on which those things are being felt. You know, you, when you have a baby, you can't even read a novel because you can't go <laughs> that far away from this new reality. So the idea that you would write one and, and put it all in there seemed, um, and that in the end came to seem like something that was actually wrong with um, femininity in the, the novel writing process um, and the difficulty really of, of truly uh, inhabiting and rendering ordinary female experience um, in literary form. So I think she is, uh, she's a brilliant writer, smart woman. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, she blows me away with some of her writing. Uh, I'm reading the, um, the memoir of hers called The Last Supper right now, by the time that she took her whole family to uh, Italy to kind of get away from the modern day world for a time. Um, and, uh, it's just so beautifully written. So, Rachel Kosk, anything you can read from her, a memoir or not, is wonderful. Now, for those of you who have not really tried to be a writer in any way, shape, or form, um, I am of the belief, some teachers and people who speak about this sort of thing don't necessarily believe this, but I do. I believe that all of us have stories to tell. All of us have something in our lives that we can share that are relatable, that are uh, magnificent to hear about good, bad, or ugly, but we all have stories to tell. We all have, you know, um, interesting aspects of our life that um, can be, um, you know, advantageous in a way to some people to read. Um, are we all brilliant writers? No. Are we all uh, walking around with, you know, incredible talent? No, of course we're not. But I think we can all learn the craft, the elements of the craft. I think we can all learn to write in a relatable, interesting, um, even sometimes entertaining way. But here's the trick. I have people in memoir workshops ask me, so I, how, do you, how do you get this done? How do you work at it? Well, you have to write. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. Uh, and it's, I've said this many times, it's like working out or losing weight or whatever. If you want to do that, you have to be disciplined. You have to find a space and time to write. Um, you have to give yourself permission to write. Meaning, this is my hour. I'm going to lock the door to my office or my bedroom or go to the coffee shop or whatever, and, and you're not going to bother me, and I'm going to write for an hour every day or every other day or whatever it is. I'm not one of those people who believes that writers need to write every day. Um, you hear that out there a lot. Um, I think what that really means generally is that you write on a regular basis. It doesn't mean you necessarily write every day. In fact, I think I am in writer mode all the time. I'm thinking about it, but I may not necessarily be writing every day, you know, physically putting words on paper. Um, but you do have to have, when you're, when you're committed to writing a memoir, uh, when you say you're going to do that, you have to give yourself permission and you have to give yourself the discipline to get it done. Um, it's a craft. Uh, you have to work at your craft. 
Um, and, and, and you have to be willing to rewrite and redraft. And actually, for me, the most fun of any writing is the redrafting. It's the drafting part that I love. It's the fixing and massaging. You know, getting it all out on paper is kind of the hard part, right? Getting it all down. But then once you have that, you can start to massage it and work through it. So if you think about it in that form, what you can do is you can focus on getting the words on paper. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be brilliant. They don't have to be even readable necessarily yet. Um, but you have to get the work done. You have to start building a foundation as you go along here. You have to build, you have to at least get the sticks gathered before you can start the fire, you know? And th that's the discipline part of it. You got to sit down and you got to get it down on paper. And I'm one of those people who believes. Um, like many other people who run workshops, is that sometimes you just have to let it out. You know, you just have to let it go. Um, you can't sit there and second guess or second think or even start to super edit your work on that first draft. I think you just have to get it out. And I'll give you a slight little piece of a movie here to hear to make my point. This is from the movie Finding Forrester. If you know this movie, it's uh, Sean Connery. He's a recluse writer. Um, it is a fictional story, but it's very interesting. Uh, he's a recluse writer in urban America. Um, this young African-American wants to be a writer. It's not really in his world, so he kind of secretly goes up to knock on this guy's door to ask to be a writer. He finally gets inside, and there's a moment where the Sean Connery character kind of teaches him that fact that you just have to get it down on paper. Go ahead. Go ahead and what? Write. What are you doing? I'm writing. Like you'll be when you start punching those keys. Is it a problem? No, I'm just thinking. No. <laughs> no thinking. That comes later. your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head the first key to writing is to write not to think so get it down on paper get it get it down and get it gathered so you can begin to sort of massage it uh, that's the beginning process of memoir. So this is kind of like a, an informal mini lesson um, for memoir that I hope will be somehow beneficial to maybe uh, getting you started on 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 telling an aspect of your story that we all may someday read and really love. So um, again, I was asked to do this this time for the podcast. I hope it's helpful to you. Uh, uh, even if you are in the process of writing, maybe some of what I had to say in this podcast will you know inspire you a little bit to to keep on going and keep on doing it. So um, write, write, write. It's the only way to get it done. And this has been another episode of The Writer's Shed. I'm David W. Werner, production and interviews for The Shed. 
always done inside the shed. We're always producing it from our shed here on the property and in Clarendon Hills, Illinois, just outside Chicago. You can find out more about Ridershed Press at ridershedpress.com and at the Ridershed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us at Ridershed Press on Twitter. We are accepting book manuscripts for publication in 2023. Submission deadline is December 1st. It's fast approaching. See more about that at submissions at ridershedpress.com. All the episodes of The Ridershed are available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.